You know, one of the things, uh, blessings of growing up in Promised Land Church is, and we've all heard it, you know, the power of a Promised Land prayer and how our prayers can't, you know, can't be beat. And as Christians, you know, we've got many enemies in the way the world is today. You know, there are a lot of things that are going on. But, you know, there's one thing that they cannot take away from us, and that's our prayers. You know, we can be looking our enemy in the eye and still praying the whole time. And so, you know, that's, that's one of our vices is praying for each other. And, you know, that is our strongest weapon. And that's what this song is about is building a wall of prayer. It's a 
Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Wasn't that a beautiful song? As she was singing, I was thinking about all the people that have prayed for me. And I've mentioned this many times, but my mom and a lady by the name of Susie Mitchum uh, is one of the reasons that I'm standing where I'm standing today because when everybody gave up on me, those two ladies prayed for me and prayed a hedge of protection about me. And I'm glad that when I was in the world, they were on their knees and just praying God would grab a hold of my soul. And I am so thankful for people who pray for me. And uh, we need the prayers of one another. Thank you for being here this morning. How great it is to be in the Lord's house. I look out and I think, wow, what a great attendance. I know it's down compared to normal, but it's a holiday weekend. I know a bunch is going to be out, uh, but a bunch is here today. And I praise the Lord for that. But most of all, the Lord's in this place. And I'm glad He's here today. And I'm glad that He's in this place. And I ask that you allow Him to have His way and will in your life this morning. How great it is to be a part of the Lord's church. How great it is to be saved and know that you're saved. To know that you have eternal life. Ephesians chapter 5, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? I want to continue this morning our series on the family. I want to thank you for your support. I know last week was kind of a tough sermon. A lot of people, you know, kind of think that that's some unpopular stuff uh, that we talked about last week. But everything I preached last Sunday was as old as this country is. And uh, this has been around before we got here. It's going to be here when we leave this old world behind. And uh, this is the Word of God. And the world may change, society may change, but bless God, this will never change. Let's get back to the Word of God this morning. Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he begins to list the Spirit-filled life. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for the things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands, in everything. Our text verse is verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Give us understanding of it this morning. Lord, I pray that we would allow these sermons and these lessons to be applied to our homes, to be applied to our relationships, Lord, that our homes and our marriages would be homes and marriages that bring you honor and glory. Lord, I pray my marriage honors you today. I pray my home honors you today. Lord, I ask for preaching grace this morning. Lord, I don't want to say anything out of the way. Lord, these people don't need to hear from me, but they need to hear from you, Lord. And Lord, I pray that I'd back myself out of the way, and I'd allow you to have the preeminence of this sermon. 
Lord, I pray souls will be saved today. Lord, I pray that we'd allow your Holy Spirit to work in this place like we've never seen before. Lord, I pray that your Spirit and your presence would be so great and so real in this place that we can't help but to give in and allow your will to be done in our life. Lord, I love you and I praise you. I'm going to be careful this morning to give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to continue this morning the series on the family. Specifically, I want to talk about marriage. I want to talk about marriage. And my hope and prayer today and through these series of sermons is that our homes would become homes that are governed by God and His Word. If you have entered this series and you have come to this place today in your home, your marriage is not a home in a marriage that is governed by God. I pray that we get those things right today. That when we leave this place that our homes and our relationships will be governed and led by a holy and righteous God. I want you to know that God needs to be in command of our home. He needs to be in command of our relationships and our marriages. I want you to know that He needs to be number one. He needs to be the Lord of our home. And I pray that if you're here this morning and He's not, I pray that you make those steps and you do those things that you need to do to get to that place. If you're here and you say, Preacher, I believe our home is governed by God, I want to encourage you. Allow this sermon to encourage you and build you up to continue on. To allow your marriage and your home to be governed by the Lord. Spurgeon once said, When home is ruled according to God's Word, angels might be asked to stay with us, and they would not find themselves out of their element. Wouldn't it be awesome that our homes would be in such a condition that the angels of heaven can come and dwell in in our home and not be out of place? Wouldn't it be awesome today that there would be so much peace and harmony and unity in our home and in our marriage and in our relationship that the heavenly host could feel at home within our homes? I'll tell you what, I'm afraid today that our homes are filled with more evil than good. I'm afraid that our homes are filled with more confusion than peace. I'm afraid that our homes is filled with more gloom than joy. I want you to know that, child of God, if you're saved and your family is saved, there ought to be victory in your home. There ought to be joy in your home. There ought to be peace in your home. And I want you to know that that's what God desires for you. And I believe that it begins at the top of the home. And I believe it begins in the leadership role of the home, and that is the institution of marriage. And this is where we go in today into our sermon that we learn the kind of marriage that God desires for us. And I pray that our marriage would not mimic those of society, that our marriage would not mimic those of philosophy or theology, but our marriage would mimic the very principles that God has laid out and instituted within His Word. And I pray that our marriage would be according to thus saith the Lord today. And that our home and our marriage would be what it needs to be so that our home can become what it needs to be. But it's going to start with the relationship between the husband and the wife. I want you to notice first off this morning the illustration of marriage. I want you to look at this in verse 21. It says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, 
Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 25 is what God desires for our relationships. This is what God desires for our marriage. That there would be that kind of love in our home, that same kind of love that Jesus has for us. Now remember, Paul is writing through the inspiration of God. So this is not just Paul talking, this is the Lord talking to us. And the Lord takes the institution of marriage and begins to compare it to His relationship to His church. May I tell you that marriage is the only union that the Lord uses to illustrate His love for us. And if God uses that to illustrate His love for us, then it must be very important in the eyes of the Lord. And if you think about the similarities between our relationship with God and the relationship between the husband and wife, there's quite a few. And He said, Husbands, I want you to love your wife, just as I loved the church. Now I want you to know there is no greater love than what Jesus Christ has for us today. And so husbands, here it is. The Lord is saying, you look at what I have for you, and you have and you love the same way your spouse and your home. Husbands, you need to love your wife as Christ loves His church. What an illustration, amen? What an illustration. Why does he illustrate these two together? Because there are two covenants. And think about the covenant between the saved person and the Lord. You think about salvation is a covenant. It's a time that you and God come together. And in that covenant, you're telling the Lord that you're going to give your heart to him. And that you're giving yourself to him. And in return, the Lord's side of the covenant is that he'll give you eternal life. And he'll give you abundant life. And I'm glad that God's not slack concerning his promises today. I'm glad that God cannot lie. And God is, has kept good on every promise that he's ever made us. You think about that covenant. Compared to the covenant of marriage, a husband and wife come together. They come and they give these vows one to another. And they make these vows and these promises one to another in the presence of the witnesses, but also the presence of God. And they make a vow and a covenant one to another to keep these things together. And that is what God desires, that we come together and make a covenant that no man can put asunder. Isn't that what the Bible says? That no man can put asunder. That's the kind of love that God wants in our homes. What an illustration that I can look at today that I know that God wants my home to look like His church. Hello? That my home needs to look the same way that He intended for the church to be. Now you think about the home that Jesus has for us and husbands and wives. This is the kind of love that God wants in our homes. Think about the Lord's love for us. It's a saving love, isn't it? His love is so great for us that He went beyond measures to save us, to keep us safe from harm and all wrongdoing. Husbands, you need to love your wife the same way. 
the Lord loves us so much that it's a compassionate love. That He loves us so much that He looks at our needs and He has compassion upon our life. That's the kind of love that He wants in our homes. Another kind of love is a caring and tender love. Oh, the Lord cares for us, doesn't He? His love is so great that He cares for every need. That's the kind of love that husbands need to have for their wife. That's the kind of love that needs to be in the home. It's a forgiving love. Doesn't the Lord forgive us of our sins? Why? Because He loves us. Husbands, I want you to know you need to love your spouse so much that you're willing to forgive one another. That's how great the love needs to be in our home. It needs to be unconditional love. We have got to the place that as long as our spouse follows these rules that we have made for them, we will love them. Friend, they're going to break every one of them. We need to have unconditional love for our spouse. Because there's going to be times that your spouse is going to let you down. There's going to be times your spouse is going to disappoint you. But friend, may I remind you of the time that you've let God down. May I remind you of the time that you've disappointed the Lord. But bless God, He loves us so much that it's unconditional. That He keeps coming back. And it's eternal love. It's eternal love. I've heard it many, many times. Well, I thought I was in love. I thought I was in love. I want you to know that God wants a kind of love within our marriage that lasts for all of eternity. I'm glad that His love will never end for us. Amen? I'm glad that His love is eternal. And there's a lot, not a lot of things that I can bank on today, but you can take this to the bank. God will love you forevermore. And He will stay with you forevermore. And no matter what you do, God will always love you. Let me tell you something, marriages, husbands and wives and children and all these relationships, we need to look to the Lord. And we need to learn how to love people even when they don't deserve being loved on. Because that's the kind of love that God has for us. Even when we're not worthy of... I know they don't deserve a second chance sometimes, but we didn't when it came to our relationship with the Lord. But He loved us so much that He gave us a second chance, and a third chance, and a fourth chance. Isn't God good? Husbands, wives, we need to be the same way in our relationship with one another. You're not perfect. They're not perfect. We know that. Let's get to this. Let's love each other just like Jesus loves on us. Oh, I pray for a love in your home this morning. I pray for a love in your marriage. I want you to know that this kind of love can be found in your home and in your marriage. And you say, well, how in the world can we do that today? I want you to go back to verse 18. And the context of this scripture tells us how to become the husbands and the wife that God wants us to be. In verse 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I believe, and I've said this many times, that as Baptists we are scared to death of the term Holy Ghost filled, Holy Spirit filled. We're scared to death of that term because it sounds charismatic. Well, friend, it's not charismatic, it's biblical. It's a biblical-based term that us as Christians need to be Holy Spirit-filled. That means that we are committing ourselves to God, 
so much that His ways are being applied to our life. And He says, Be not drunk with wine, we're in His excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then He says, speaking to yourself in song, He begins to illustrate what will happen in our life when we get filled with the Spirit. And he goes on down to verse 25, Husband, love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I want you to know that you will never love your spouse until you commit yourself to God and get full of His Holy Spirit and allow Him to fill you and guide you. I want you to know people, uh, they live their life not in good standing with God, trying to be the husband, trying to be the father, trying to be the wife that you need to be. Let's get something straight this morning. There's not anybody easier to get along with than the Lord. There's not anybody more forgiving than God. If you can't get along with God, you can't get along with anybody. I mean, let's get real. That's how it is. And we get in our relationships at home, and we're not in good standing with the Lord. We're not what we need to be. And then we expect everything else to fall in place. Friend, it's not going to happen. Child of God, it's not going to happen. You need to get filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And you need to allow God to fill you with that Spirit. And you know what will happen when He fills you with that Spirit? He will fill you with the love that you need for your spouse. Let me tell you, we don't need to be the husband and wife society wants us to be. We don't need to be the husband and wife that our spouse wants us to be. We need to be the husband and wife that God wants us to be. And we'll never be that outside of a Spirit-filled life. May I tell you that the more that you get filled with the Spirit of God, the more that you see and you learn of the love of God for you. Isn't the love of God great this morning? And the more you get filled of Him, the more that you know that you love Him. Let me tell you something, and He loves you. But let me tell you something this morning. The more you get filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the better your marriage is going to be. The better your relationship's going to be. Have you heard this term? It doesn't take two, but it takes three. It takes you and your spouse and the Lord. You say, how? What do you mean the Lord? That's where it comes to us submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God. Husbands, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with alcohol. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Don't be filled with drugs. Be filled with the Spirit of God. I'm just going to say this. This may sound redneckish. I don't care. If we'd quit getting hits off of everything this world has to offer us and experience God, I promise you, we'd never hit anything else this world gives us. Because there's not a greater feeling than when you get a hold of the Lord. Don't get filled with this world. Don't get filled with alcohol. Don't get filled with dope. Get filled with the Spirit of God. And allow God to consume you so that you can love your spouse like He desires. Now I want you to look with me in Hebrews 13. If you're with me, say amen. What an illustration. What an illustration that God has compared for us to look to. I want you to know we look to Him today to see the model that He wants us to have. Look in Hebrews 13. In verse 4, the Bible says, Marriage is honorable and all in the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God... Well, judge, I'm going to look at that first phrase. Marriage is honorable in all. There is honor in marriage. The word honor means 
worth. It means an estimate of the value or price of a thing. I want you to know there is great value. There is great worth in marriage. We looked at the statistics last week of how many people don't want to get married. And so many people scared to death to get married because the stats say this, that nearly 60% of marriage ends in divorce. And our nation has such a bad taste in their mouth about marriage. And our kids are growing up to think and learn that marriage is a bad thing. Let's get this straight this morning. Marriage is an honorable thing. There's a lot of worth. There's a lot of value in the institution of marriage. Marriage has not messed things up, but we have messed up marriage. Understand this today, that everything that God has made is perfect and holy and right for us. And may I tell you that God made marriage, and when He made it, He made it right and He made it true. He didn't mess marriage up. We have messed up marriage. And there's a bad taste in our mouth about marriage. You know why? Because we have messed it up. But may I remind you the value that is in marriage. The value that is in the institution of marriage. There is great honor. There is great value. There is great worth. Think about gold. Think about silver. Isn't there great value to that? And the Lord compares marriage to the finest substances on earth. I want you to know that marriage is a good thing. It's a great thing. It is a godly thing. It is a thing that God created for us to be good in our life. I want you to know that marriage is not meant to bring you down or break you down, but it is meant to help you and to build you up. There is nothing greater than doing it God's way. There is nothing greater than finding that somebody that you fall in love with that God wants you to marry. Hello? That God wants you to be with. The mate that God's picked out for you, not the one you've picked out. And to go to that person and get married. It's awesome. There is great worth in the institution of marriage. Do you know that the value is so great that we ought to keep it? i got one amen on that. The value of marriage is so great that we ought to keep it. You get silver and gold, you're not going to throw it away. But how many times do we throw away our marriages? How many times do we throw away our families? How many times? May I tell you that your spouse ought to be worth more to you than silver and gold and finances and jobs and popularity? There, There should be nothing more precious to you than your spouse today. What you have first is you and the Lord. What you have second is you and your spouse. There ought to be honor in the institution of marriage, and there ought to be honor in the relationship of marriage. Not just the institution, but I want you to know there's worth in my wife. Sometimes we treat our spouse like they're of no value. We treat our spouse like they're just low down here on the totem pole. We've all been guilty of it. And shame on us every time. The Lord said there's honor in marriage. I want you to know that there's great value in my spouse. God chose her. God picked her out for me. He blinded her, and she committed to it. Whatever, that's her choice. Praise God on my side. And she made that decision. We're married. 
And there, beside my relationship with Jesus, there not ought to be anything more precious in my eyes than my wife. And there should not be anything that I exalt more than my wife. There should not be anything that I invest more than my wife. How many times I've messed up and I've treated her bad and I've done bad. I'm glad she's not amening over there. But I hadn't acted the way I should. I hadn't treated the treated her the way I should and friend we all mess up but we need to take value in our spouse there's value in your wife today she is worth a lot your husband is worth a lot and don't let the devil tell you that they're not worth anything and don't you ever treat them like they're not worth anything you treat them like they're worth more than gold and silver because bless God that's how God treats us And God wants us to treat our spouse as He has treated us. And He has treated us like we're worth more than everything. That He loved us so much that He gave us His only begotten Son. And we're worth a lot in the eyes of the Lord. And I don't even understand that. And that's how we ought to treat our spouse. Treat them with value. They're not just no ordinary person. They put up with you. Amen? Come on now. At least respect them for putting up with you. Amen. Respect them for staying there with you. Respect them and love them for who they are. I've seen it over and over that we try to mold them and make them into what we want them to be. That is wrong and it will never work. And I'm glad that God loved me for who I am. Husbands, wife, love your spouse for who they are. Build them up. Love on them. As Christ loves us. There is honor. There is worth in marriage, in the institution, in the relationship. Look in Genesis chapter 2. I want you to notice the command of marriage. If you're with me, say amen. We have belittled, we have destroyed the institution of marriage. And my job today is simply this, to exalt it. Because it is compared to the love that Christ has for us. And if we exalt the kind of marriage that God wants for us, we are exalting God. And we are exalting His Word. And may I tell you, He needs to be exalted this morning. He needs to be elevated. I want you to notice this in Genesis 2 and 21. And the Lord God calls deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. May I tell you that he took a rib out of man and created a woman. That means that man was missing something. That when we're born in this world as a man, we're missing something. That's that rib. Who is that rib? That is that woman that God has made for us. And when we come together in the institution of marriage, that they are coming to us to complete us. We're missing a real, we're missing a part of a... May I tell you, my wife completes me today. My wife completes me today. Yes, what I have in Jesus. But secondly, my wife completes me. He wanted me to have a helpmeet. He took a rib out of man and made a woman. And I want you to know that that's that missing link that us as men need. And I'm just going to be blunt, I'm going to be honest. As a man, another man can never feel that. And women and women cannot feel that. That's why God desires it between a man and a woman. 
Because that is that missing link and that missing point that God designed. Not me, not man, but Him. And notice what He said. Here's the command in verse 23. 21-22, just good preaching. I couldn't leave that out. Verse 23, Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife. They shall be one flesh. That's what God desires from us. Notice what he said in verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother. Number one, the principle there of the command of marriage is leaving the past behind. When you get married and you unite yourself together with your spouse, God tells you to leave everything behind. You leave all the past behind. And you leave your father and you leave your mother to go create this institution in marriage and this new family in the eyes of God that brings Him honor and glory. What are we commanded to do when we get saved? To leave the old past. To leave the old life. And He said, just as you met me and I commanded you to come out of that darkness, when you enter into this covenant with your spouse, you leave that old life behind. People get married thinking they can live the same life thinking that they can still do whatever they want to do. If you get married, grow up. Just going to be blunt. Grow up and leave the past behind. Take care of your spouse. A lot of times we're not taking care of our spouse like we need to because we're stuck in the past. There's a time in our, in our life that we've got to leave the past behind. And we've got to move forward now in this life that we have. Oh. Uh, Boy, I'm going to get shot now. Uh, February 25th, 2006. I've got it on this ring here to help remind me. <laughs> Told you I'm getting myself in trouble. I go to the pharmacy and they say, what's your wife's birthday? I said, don't do me that way. Come on now. But here it is. That day that I came to that altar to be united. God said, now that you're coming here, you leave everything else behind. All of that past is behind you. Now you start a new life with this one that I've prepared for you. Child of God, your marriage is not you and your spouse and all of your family. It is you and your spouse and the Lord. That is what God desires today. And I want you to know that we need to leave that past behind so we can become that husband and wife that God wants us to be. And he's not saying, don't do anything with your mother or father anymore. He is simply telling you to put your spouse first. Put your spouse first. Before all your old buddies, before all of your old family, you put them first. And in my life, my responsibility as a husband, I've got to put Lacey first. She comes before the kids. Hello? Didn't get many amens on that, but she comes before the kids. Because if we don't have that relationship together, we're going to have trouble raising our kids. And we've got to keep that relationship right and that foundation in our home for our children. He said, leave. We need to leave the past. Principle number two. Notice what he said. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. The word cleave means to stick together to cling together. I tell people when they get married and they exchange rings, I said, put them rings on with super glue. Don't let anything, let that come apart. Don't let any man put asunder 
what God has joined together. May I tell you that the command of marriage is we need to stick together. We need to cling together in the good and the bad, in the sickness and the health and the wealth and the poverty. Everything we face, we need to cleave together. It is amazing how much good can come from our marriage if we quit allowing things to divide us and allow those things to bring us together. The other night, me and Lacey was talking and we're juggling things around and things are changing in our life and we're trying to get things juggled. And, and I just told her, I said, look, you're stuck with me. And she kind of looked disappointed, but, you know, she said, okay. And I said, look, we got too much invested now. Ain't no turning back from here. Good, we're going to keep on going. We're going to pull together and we're going to keep on going. Bad, we're going to pull together we're going to keep on going. You ain't got no choice anymore. You got to love me because I'm going to love you. And I don't care if we come in and the kids are horrible. I don't care if the finances are horrible. I don't care what it is. We're going to keep loving each other. We're going to come together and we're going to keep on going for the honor and glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know what I like? I said this the other night. But when we fight and we disagree, when we have nothing to agree on, we go back to our relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm glad in Jesus we have that middle ground. I'm glad in Jesus that when we can't agree on anything, bless God, we can agree on Him. And there's times that's the only thing we agree on, that He's the Savior of the world. We need to cling together. Quit letting little fights, little things divide us. And this is what somebody told me one time. He said, if you ever bring up the D word in marriage, it is always there in the back of your mind as a way out. Don't ever bring it up. I've told her many times, I said, divorce is not an option. He said, if you ever bring it up, it will always stand as an option. Do not let divorce be an option today. You cling to your spouse through the good and the bad. Notice the last command, and we're going to be through. And they shall be one flesh isn't that beautiful that God wants us to leave and cleave so that we can become one flesh that we can become one in him hey our marriages are not one God wants our marriages marriages to be one he wants there to be unity and harmony in our relationship with our spouse. We are living, we have too many marriages and relationships that there's not unity and harmony in our relationships. We need peace in our marriage today. There is nothing worse than living life in a way that you're griping with your spouse all the time. There's division in the marriage. God doesn't want us to live that way. Amen? He wants us to leave and cleave to become one in Him. To become one in Him. The Lord put this series on my heart because I have been burdened for the homes. And I mentioned last week that three out of ten faithful Christian families are ending in divorce. Young couples... That's why it's so important to don't quit God. Don't quit God. If you quit God, you may quit your spouse, okay? 
If you can't stay right with the Lord, you're going to have a tough time staying right in your marriage. Young families, you're battling every day. You're battling every day. And I want you to know the devil seeking to devour your marriage. That institution is what God meant to be a picture of His love for us. And may I say that the devil has entered in and he has destroyed that. And what God meant to be an example for His love for us has gone the other way. But I believe there's hope for our marriages today. Let me tell you something. I don't think that I can stay married to Lacey. I pray she can to me. But I know that I can stay married to her. And she can stay married to me because God's grace is sufficient. We went there last week. His grace is sufficient. How many times we fought, we got mad, we said things that we shouldn't have said. But I'm so glad, Lacey, that we did it God's way and we came back and we apologized and said, I'm sorry. Oh, I failed so many times as a husband and a father. But I'm glad there's enough mercy there and there's enough forgiveness there and there's enough grace there to mold me and to make me into the husband that brings Him honor and glory. And I want to be the preacher and I want to be the pastor that just would be beyond our imagination that God could use in a mighty way. But before I want to be a big-time preacher, a big-time pastor, I just want to be an old-fashioned, faithful, loving husband. Because if I'm not a husband first, how in the world can I be a pastor? And at the end of the day, I need to go back to my relationship with my spouse. And I need to make sure it's exactly what God wants. God needs to be the governor of our homes. God needs to be the president and the prime minister of our homes. He needs to be the Lord and the King of our marriages this morning. They're failing. Our marriages are going by the wayside every day. But friend, there's hope this morning. God can lift our marriages out of the ashes. I've seen family after family come to my office broken down, broken down and fighting and fussing and get down to the Word of God and see them apply the Word of God to their marriage and build it up. I've seen, I had a family one time come to me, there was adultery all in their home and in their marriage. And friend, God molded them and made them and gave them the strength to forgive and gave them the strength to forgive. And they moved on past that. What an awesome marriage it is today. Not because of what they did or what I did, but because of what God can do. God can fix it this morning. Husband, wife, would you fall down and say, God, I submit myself to you. Are you in it for the long haul? I'm glad God is this morning. I'm glad He's in it for the long haul. I'm glad He's not giving up. And don't you give up this morning. These altars are going to be open. You can come up here with your spouse. Oh, wouldn't it be great if just all the husbands just take their wives to the altar? We drag them everywhere else. We ought to drag them to the Lord's altar. Amen. And just fall down on the altar and say, Lord, help us. If you're here this morning, you've never been saved. There's a God that loves you beyond marriage. There's a God that loves you beyond parenthood. He loved you so much that He gave you His only begotten Son.
If you've never been saved today, would you be saved this morning in this place? Everybody stand. Very quiet, very reverent. The invitation's open. If you have a public decision to make, if you need to join this church, come right now. If you need to be saved, come right now. If you need to come to these altars, come as you place. You come this morning.